2: everybody i hope you enjoyed our new jungle themed podcast uh, opening theme that i spent oh about five minutes on so <laughs> the production value is really high on that one i hope you enjoyed it um welcome to our new mini season the jungle girls and uh, i don't know we should i should think of a better name for it but we'll just call it the jungle girl mini theme mini- the Jungle Girl mini-season, until I can find something I can pronounce.
1: I've been thinking of it as the Jungle Girls of Italy.
2: Uh, yeah, that'll do. Or maybe we should call it Jungala. <laughs> 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 uh, uh,
1: well, I have to admit that uh, it took me, uh, it took me uh, forcing my eyes to stare at the screen repeatedly to make myself spell Gungala correctly, because I kept wanting to switch the, the G with a D. Yeah. In the English dub, I swear sometimes it sounds like that.
2: Yeah, so in the English dub, they spell it all kinds of ways. But hey, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, sorry. I'd like to first of all introduce, my name is Adrian, of course. I'd like to introduce my co-host, the ever-reliable podcaster extraordinaire, Rod <laughs> Barnett. Uh,
1: th- hello, I'm glad to be here.
2: Now, Rod, this was all your fault.
1: Yes, I, I will take the blame for this the same way in so, <laughs> which you must take the blame for Italian comedies that we cover. So, so <laughs> uh,
2: happy to happy to take that one. So, do you want to just give us a bit of background on why? Why? Well, first, well, I guess just why. That's it. Question mark.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a, fine, it's a fine and good question. Um, I have been fascinated with Jungle Girl. Films and uh, comic books and oh man, pulp fiction for a very long period of time, and I guess it all dates back to my original reading of uh, the first several Tarzan novels when I was a kid. But I think that uh, you know that was all pre-puberty, and I think that puberty explains my my adult fascination with the Jungle Girl <laughs> subgenre. It's a, a, a very it's a very strange kind of of story I'm not going to pretend that there's not something adolescent and bizarre about having a fascination with jungle girl stories but at the same time they have been going on for a very long period of time I mean the the earliest example would probably be from about 1904 oh. uh there was this uh novel called Green Green Mansions that uh kind of introduced for better or worse the the concept of the the forest dwelling you know what uh, you know non non non-african native girl who's uh who's uh you know at one with her uh at one with her surroundings and and friendly with the animals and kind of accepted as either some kind of uh strange pale goddess or something along these lines and uh since then of course green mansions was adapted into a, a film in the in the 50s uh do you know who played <laughs> the jungle girl in the adaptation of green mansions oh, in the 50s not a clue audrey hepburn
2: oh okay yeah. that wasn't what i was expecting
1: yeah yeah That that's always one of those moments where it's it's a, it's it's a wonderful card to throw on the table and go ha <laughs> yeah. yeah so fair that's that's not the first, of course. I think that for most cinema goers, their first introduction to the kind of jungle girl idea may have been the second Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan film, where you get, uh, you know, you get Jane uh, mm. having been assimilated into the jungle and uh, cavorting uh, in the uncut version with uh, a fair amount of uh, swimming nudity. Uh, mm-hmm. in the film, although apparently that, uh, the, the swimming nudes were done by, uh, a, a stunt double of some sort or a nude double. Nevertheless, the, um, uh, the idea of, uh, adolescent male eyes right there on the, the verge of <laughs> discovering that those girls are much more interesting than he originally thought, um, probably explains a lot of fascination with jungle girls i i i i I will admit even just last night i started reading a collection of uh, jungle girl comic books from uh the i believe the 50s called judy of the jungle it's like uh, it's like judy really so we're going we're going we're going to use every name humanly imaginable but the (laughs) (laughs) it's like does it start with a j we'll use it does it start with any Mm -hmm. other letter we'll use that too Uh, I guess one of the most famous would be probably Sheena because Sheena was, uh, Sheena got turned into, Sheena was a pulp, a series of pulp stories that got turned into a television show with Irish McCallum in the fifties. And then, uh, they even made a film in 1984 that, uh, I completely ignored.
2: Is it Farrah Fawcett or somebody like that? Oh,
1: no, 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 no. Uh, the, the, um, the film in the eighties was actually, uh, uh, oh my goodness. I just completely blanked on her name. Um. Tanya Roberts.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, what what's really weird is that I completely ignored the Sheena movie from '84 when i was when I was a teenager because I just assumed it was was terrible. And then just a few years ago, I finally decided to watch it and realized, you know, it's really a very good adaptation of the story, and I kind of enjoy the crap out of it. I really do enjoy that film, uh, but you know, take that with the jungle girl size grain of salt. I already have admitted that I'm a huge fan of this stuff and uh, the thing that you get into with the Jungle Girl films that I think that we're going to concentrate on is just a handful of them that were produced uh, strangely enough as exploitation films I can't imagine why Uh, in Italy in the late 60s
2: yes we're going to I've picked out four for us to try and cover and they're all 1968 or 69 so it was a very concentrated period Mm -hmm. of uh, Jungle Girl exploitation whatever that whatever we want to call it um and i was also wondering whether it's got some origins in h uh rider haggard's um she yes again the idea of the sort of white goddess in darkest africa it's kind of colonial isn't it
1: (laughs) it's a whole (laughs) lot racist let's be blunt
2: okay yeah fair enough Uh, Yes, we'll certainly uh, probably pick up on some of that When we get into today's film So today we are talking about the film Which is known in English as Gungala the Black Panther Girl But I much prefer its Italian title Gungala la Pantera Nuda Mm Hmm which I think we can all translate in our heads without any help from Google. <laughs> now, the, interestingly, so we, um, we've we watched the English dub, mm-hmm. and I swear, and I'm going to play the music here, I swear there's a song, the theme song, and this singer is screaming this girl's name over and over in the song. Yes. So she's saying Gangala, which... I mean, Gangala, that sounds medical. That sounds like a bit of your body, the (laughs) Gangala. So, but anyway, so here's a clip from the theme for Gangala, a.k.a. Gangala. in the Italian dub um, it's different they're singing something completely different so here is that <laughs>
0: Say, can I not? Toner,
2: Can make up your minds which perversion you prefer but i, I so weird gangala what?
1: <laughs> it can be i hate to say it, it is a bit of an earworm i was rewatching the beginning of the film earlier this morning <laughs> and realizing man that is going to be in my head all all again yeah. today isn't it you yeah. know
2: it reminded me i haven't done enough research to see who was singing that but it reminded me of the theme for um i think it's the big gun down that has a similar level of sort of screamy woman singing the uh <laughs> singing the song uh anyway yeah so there you go so gungala la pantera nuda from 1968 directed by uh old friend roger rockefeller
1: <laughs> okay yes here's the thing when you pick this to be our first of the, out of the gate Uh, I did not pay attention until after I'd watched it to who directed it, started started poking around, doing a little research and then went, well, of course, this this is exactly why you're such a you're such a fan of this Rockefeller guy.
2: I know I'm so predictable. Now, what's interesting. So obviously, for those of you who are unaware, Roger Rockefeller was the bizarre and quite hilarious uh, anglicized name chosen by one of my favorite guys rogero der dato uh now given that 10 or so you know 10 years later a little bit longer than 10 years later he would be very famous or infamous for films that he made in the jungle i thought this film would there would be more interest around this film because this is his first jungle film Mm -hmm. but even today on the imdb there are only two reviews i know and on Letterboxd, there are only six so it's like barely anybody is interested in this film has gone back to like it would be really interesting somebody could write a paper tracing deodato's jungle movies you know through this one and then through into the 70s and obviously up to cannibal holocaust and then beyond obviously because he, he still kept going back to the jungle in the 80s mm-hmm. cut, um, with cut and run and a few yeah several yeah. Ones, yeah. but this is his first go And it's really interesting to to sort of watch this film thinking this guy was going to make Cannibal Holocaust 12 years later (laughs) and change uh,
1: and change and thereby change the world.
2: Exactly. But um, and of course, I should mention here, if anyone wants to hear what Rod and I have to say about Cannibal Holocaust, we did record a podcast on that about six years ago, probably. Yes. So do dig back through the Bloody Pit archives. I'll tweet it out at some point uh, as well. But yeah, so this is, so Deodato, this was his first official film as director. Um, and again, um, we also covered this on your podcast, again, maybe six years ago. The first film that he technically was the director of, although his name was not on the poster, was Hercules Prisoner of Evil. Yes. Which officially was an Antonio Margariti film, but he was too busy. And so he trusted his friend and assistant director, Ruggiero Deodato, to just do it for him, basically. So he had got experience as a director, but this was his first where he was actually officially the one in charge. So I was reading what he had to say about making this movie in the book that I've referred to before on this podcast, Cannibal Holocaust Holocaust (laughs) and the Savage Cinema of Ruggiero Deodato. Which is by Fab Press, an excellent book. Um my copy is actually signed by him, which is pretty cool. Anyway, so he says here, my first film was Gungala La Pantera Nuda, the sequel to another film, which of course we haven't mentioned yet, but yes, this is indeed a sequel to Gungala La virgine de la Giungla, aka Gungala. Virgin of the jungle.
1: Yes. Of course, and it being a sequel and not having seen the origin the 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 film the, the first film, it explains why I was lost the entire time. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> so a, a, the first film was directed by Romano Ferrara, who who co-wrote the script for that one as well. And my from what I've read of that one, I've read some reviews and descriptions, and Gungala basically spends most of the time just in the trees watching what everybody does and then doesn't really do much until the end and that's almost entirely what happens here but she does she gets more to do in this film yeah um so romano ferrara was also a co-writer on this one but I, I don't think they liked what he was doing so they brought deodato in he says we filmed it in kenya and part of it in italy uh at the Paola studios after having looked so they shot it in Italy first, he says, "After having looked at the scene shot in Italy, we decided to go to Kenya for three weeks to finish the film." I thought that was interesting that they shot all the studio stuff first, and this is a film that is clearly shot in a studio for the most part.
1: Yeah, big ch- big chunks of it are just obviously fake bound. F- yeah,
2: fakest looking jungle you've ever seen. How about how
1: about that weird little little bitty set with the little blue water pool and flamingo birds? Mm-hmm. What, that that gungala is is prancing about in all her lonesome there for the longest mm-hmm. time just like this just screams tv budget set
2: yeah and she's built herself a little uh swiss family robinson style home
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I, I wasn't sure well we'll get into the plot in a minute but how old was she when her parents crashed in the jungle I, okay like she was old was she old enough to rig up a house yeah i don't know what a house looks like i don't know see that's
1: the thing the the (laughs) the age of the character i kept wondering right because clearly she is quote unquote of age depending on what the age of consent in whatever country we're going to pretend this is taking place in actually might be but the strange thing is without having seen the first film which maybe have maybe would have given us a clue as to how old she was when you know her you know the plane crash and her parents died. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of planes crash in in the African jungle with with lots of family units. It's very strange. So that's how that's how yeah. so many jungle girls just scatter the <laughs> scatter the countryside. Um, yeah. But there's no idea. I have no idea. I mean, the, the actress herself. You know, she's. I'm assuming in her in her in her mid twenties, and that's about what she looks like in the film. But it's just a guess on our part, you know.
2: I mean, yeah, I just thought you know, she's rigged up some some pulleys and some systems, and uh, she seems to know what she's doing. But uh, but of course, you know, this does actually happen in real life. There was that story just recently in the Amazon in Colombia, where um, those four children. Uh, were killed in a plane. Uh, their, sorry, their mother was killed in the crash, but they survived. Mm-hmm. And they survived in the jungle for forty days before they were found. Um, so, yeah, this kind of thing. I and mean, obviously, it's the, in terms of fiction, it's got its roots in the in the Tarzan story as well. Who, yeah. is the ultimate uh, raised in the jungle by animals. And suppose well, mind you, did Tarzan come before the Jungle Book or afterwards?
1: Uh, no, the the Kipling not stuff. Not sure i think it's the uh that the late tarzan? 1800s yeah. <clears throat> the first tarzan story was uh 1905 oh so, man i'd so have to check i can't might, remember
2: it might all go back to mowgli anyway in some way i suppose yeah it's a very it's a very well trodden path <laughs> either way <laughs> um much like the paths that they go through in the sets they are very well trodden so um i mean we'll get to the italy stuff uh, sorry we'll get to the africa stuff we'll talk a bit more about that when we get into talking about the plot but of course we need to talk about the star of the film and also the star of the uh, first film oh and the reason i didn't pick the first one by the way is just because i wanted to talk about Roger deodato again i am that's, not surprised that's my, my main reason for choosing this one Um, But also, from what I read, this is the better of the two, uh, Hmm. which doesn't say that much for the first film. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So, Kitty Swan, also her real name, is Kirsten Svanholm. And she was from Copenhagen in Denmark. Um, Big European star in the 60s. And, yeah, I thought we should spend some time talking about her because she's actually... She wasn't somebody I was particularly aware of before, though I realise now I have seen her in other movies. Um, but she has a really fascinating story, and also by coincidence, I was just about six weeks ago in Copenhagen, uh, which is a, my, one of the most uh, one of my most favourite places I've ever been to. Mm. Absolutely loved Copenhagen. I highly recommend it to anybody who's listening. It's such a great place. But she left Copenhagen and. Headed off into uh, well, mainly to Italy, where she appeared in a bunch of films, and I think we perhaps have to mention the one of the greatest films on her CV. Of course, is the Wild Wild Planet. Yeah,
1: she's got an uncredited role in there. She's one of the uh, she's one of the uh, pretty ladies who do the abductions yeah.
2: in that film. Shrink people down to size. Uh, yeah, which is great. She's in. A, she's in some other classic. Italian films from that period, like OK Connery, and um, Deadlier Than the male. yeah, Deadlier Than the Mail, which is a really fun film, British sort of spy comedy type thing. And yeah, she's in a few other Euro spy films. Um, lots of stuff, but mainly, like, if you read her credits, I guess it's sort of typical of the period. But she's things like Prostitute, Girl <laughs> in the Shower, girl in bed with tony that one's in no tears for a killer where she's in bed with franco nero um (laughs) she's yeah what else is she dancer
1: water ski girl
2: yeah girl in a harem Uh, girl on beach so yeah that's just typical of the 60s she's even in barbarella actually yeah another another girl you know girl uncredited girl uncredited yeah yeah and I believe she was modeling at the same time as well. So it's not like she was stuck for work. But um, what what
1: I think is interesting is that you could see very clearly that there came a point uh, in about 67 where suddenly she's in four different <laughs> jungle epics. These yeah. two Gungala films and two Tarzan films. And yeah. it's just like, oh, OK, so they apparently think they found her niche at that point. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so she was cast as in the, the lead role, which must have been pretty exciting for somebody who's spent most of their career uncredited uh, in the first Gangala film. And then that led to almost immediately to a sequel. And then, yeah, like you said, she's in a, she plays an Amazon queen in, uh, in a film called Tarzan e en la Gruta del Oro, which is... Tarzan um, is, in the
1: Golden Grotto.
2: Yeah, which is a Spanish co-production. Uh, in some films, it's, it's she's referred to as Zan, as well as a, a character is called Zan uh, rather than Tarzan.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in seeing uh, Tarzan and the Golden Grotto. Um, just, I mean, just because I'm curious about Tarzan films altogether, but uh, also because. One of the listed well two I, I have a, I have a, a a real interest in two of the listed screenwriters on that uh, Umberto Lindsay and uh, Joaquin Louis Romero as well who is uh, well well it, it, actually Joaquin Louis Romero Marchand who's uh, right. a name that if you're familiar with uh, Spanish uh, genre films uh, should uh, should perk up your interest because he uh, he was the writer of uh, Cutthroat's nine and uh, a number of other films from that period. Uh, So I I have a a curiosity about Tarzan and the Golden Grotto that uh, is going to make me seek that one out, I should say.
2: Yeah. And then there was a sequel to that one, which was a Spanish, Italian, and Filipino Mm -hmm. co-production called Gangala and the Treasure of Emerald Cave. And that one was made in the early 70s. And so that one, of, of course, if anyone knows the story of... Kitty Swan is where There was a terrible uh, Accident on set um, Now I'm a bit confused Because I've, I've read about this and a court Apparently so it's a Spanish Italian Filipino Co-production but they were Shooting a scene in Florida And that's where the accident actually Happened yeah um, Which is just bizarre in Itself so I've got the details Here so it says um, Yeah while Filming in Rainbow Springs, Florida, in 1970, some unskilled pyrotechnicians, which sounds to me like they just hired some cheap local people, caused a terrible fire during the shooting of a scene where Kitty and her co-star, Steve Hawks, who played Tarzan, who incidentally, Steve Hawks, that's not his real name. Yeah, he was Eastern European. That's
1: Yeah, I'm not sure... I've always just called him Steve Hawks. I, I, I've never seen it well.
2: Yeah, also his son is Stepan Stepan Sipek. That was his real name from Zagreb and Zagreb. And he had been abandoned by his parents and raised on his own. Uh, very poor, but he became a really good swimmer. And that was how he ended up. Um, he won a swimming marathon across Lake Ontario, which kind of got him some fame. And that's how he ended up as the new Tarzan. Which isn't that similar to Johnny Weissmuller. Wasn't he a swimmer originally?
1: Yeah, uh, Johnny Weissmuller was a, yeah. an Olympic uh, gold medal winning uh, swimmer. And that's how he ended up playing Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think sw- swimmers have uh, the, good, the right shaped bodies to be Tarzans. They
1: have the correct the, lean physique. Yeah, yes.
2: quite triangular. Anyway, so yeah, so there's this terrible fire. Uh, there's a scene where, and this scene is in the movie up until the bit where obviously went wrong but they've basically been tied onto these stakes and there's also a lion there as well and in the scene the lion was supposed to leap free and save them from the fire um but it went wrong i think there was petrol involved Mm. and the whole thing went up the flames got out of control and the crew couldn't put it out quick enough and the lion did manage to get free and saved steve hawks like it had been trained to do and uh that um so he was less badly injured than than she was and actually he was so kind of his life was changed so much by that, that he started a charity to uh, like a foundation to look after um big cats <laughs> because his life had been saved by this one making the film but unfortunately she was very badly burned yeah um she like she could barely walk she had all these scars, she couldn't move her hands or arms, and that was it. That was the end of her career. Really quite awful.
1: It's a very sad, a very sad story, and it is incredibly unfortunate. It is one of the, one of the horror stories of that period of, uh, of European exploitation filmmaking. It's just incompetent people, I mean, almost killing people and disfiguring them for life. It's awful.
2: Yeah, and it just sounds like safety was uh not on everyone's minds rather than just doing it as cheaply as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah. But what's interesting, there's a sort of interesting postscript to this story and it's a bit of a miracle, really. So this was in the you got it was in the papers that um experts had told her that there wasn't much they could do for her burns and she'd have tough plastic surgery um so this was a, a sort of inter made international news and in montenegro there's a there was a guy called uh jovan I'm, i can't pronounce these names at all but jovan selic who lived in a little town in montenegro and he saw this in a magazine and he got in touch with them to say that he could heal i think he wrote a letter actually to the, first of all to the magazine and then it eventually got passed all the way along He was a herbalist and he claimed to have secret herbal remedies that could cure burns. So she went, she got on a plane wrapped up in blankets and flew to Montenegro and met this guy. And he healed her and he regenerated her looks, got rid of her scars, returned the elasticity to her skin and basically she just became healed and i've seen photos of her taken later in the 70s and she's not all sort of scarred like you would expect Hmm. so it's really quite amazing um and so does anyone have any
1: idea of what was actually done
2: well it's secret apparently but it's just he has the
1: uh was it was the secret plastic surgery
2: i'm just curious (laughs) well apparently not so I'm looking at this news article from Montenegro News that talks about it, um, that it's just this uh, sort of secret, traditional, herbal remedy. So who knows? But she left in 1971 completely cured. While she was there, she met a guy who was a singer, local singer, Toma Jrad- me? <laughs> Zrav, Toma Zhravkovich and together in 1971 so this is after she was healed they they recorded a single so she made a record in um, it says here Yugoslavia well, I guess it was Yugoslavia at the time My I'm afraid my Eastern European geography hmm. knowledge is embarrassing uh, according to Discogs it was released in Yugoslavia but yeah so she made a record while she was there so I will Put a clip of that. It's
0: called Pesma O Kitty Swan. <laughs> Pesma, ki ti svo, za mene si ti divam sve tu za mene si tužna
2: According to according to Google, Pesma translates as "cough," and that can't be right. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever it is, Pesma Oh, Kitty's Swan. So it's a sort of folky ballad, folk pop ballad, and uh, there's a picture of her on the uh, on the front cover, and she looks great. I mean, she's covering part of her face with her hair. Okay. Maybe that's to cover up some scars. I don't know, but she's on the um, on the vinyl. On the sem- this 45 inch there she is so I will tweet that picture out as well and so anyway so that's the story of what happened to her then and uh, she went back to Italy she married her great love Roberto Casali and then that might be all except I found in a forum if you're interested if you're keeping up with this great story so <laughs> our friend of the podcast Matt Blake the writer of the Eurospy Guide and the um, Italian sci-fi book that started this whole podcast in the first place he wrote about her on his blog The Wild Eye and there was a comment left about three years ago by somebody called Steen Svanholm and he says for everyone sorry for everyone with interest in the person I can tell that Kirsten who is Danish she has double citizenship so she's Danish Italian citizenship mm-hmm. is very much alive and well she lives just outside rome with her husband she is still a very beautiful open-hearted and wise woman despite the burn accident during which her husband and family stood by her side she later gave birth to two children today she lives a quiet but very active life with great interest in roman and etruscan culture and architecture she is also a skilled painter and sculptor and amongst among the most knowledgeable people not documented concerning ancient roman marble and pottery and she is my very cherished aunt so there you go so steen's fan home uh his auntie is kitty swan so quite a happy end hopefully
1: well one one could hope so because my goodness yeah. the the thing that took her out of uh her her movie career was simply simply a tragedy
2: yeah yeah terrible so it looks like things worked out okay and she so that was written so that's four years ago and she's only i just looked it up she would be 70 if she's still alive which i'm assuming she's she's 70. so yeah very interesting um i mean I don't know if, as i've done all the talking there as i've gone through her life or is there anything you want to add about your experience of watching kitty swan films or knowledge of kitty swan
1: well, that's the thing like is uh her her career I mean it was just I hate to I hate to say it this way but it really was just kind of flowering who knew who knows what uh what doors would have opened for her after yeah. you know once we get into the 1970s there are there's no telling whatsoever. She certainly was very obviously game for for whatever the exploitation world was offering her and uh one can only assume that there would have probably been a few more jungle girl movies in her future but probably also other things as well who knows how long her career might have been and it is and it is a real shame i'm just glad that she was able to eventually find uh, happiness outside the movie industry uh, i enjoy her performance in this i've enjoyed uh, i've enjoyed her when i've spotted her in uh, her smaller roles and other things as well and it is uh it is one of those sad little things but i'm i am still i'm still gratified every time i every time i reflect on that story about her life um because I've 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 run across that tale uh, more than a few times uh, when she's popped up in different movies. I just uh, I'm I'm uh, I, I, I'm appalled because you, you you simply think of you you simply think about how far out of the way so so many productions will go to save a buck and yeah. to to put to put people in actual physical danger is just it's it's reprehensible and and, yeah. and so it's i'm just glad that uh, as you say she her, her her life took a turn for the better afterwards
2: yeah i mean she's uh, you know there's no getting around this she was beautiful oh yes in the in this film and in uh in the other films and the imagery that i've been that i've seen as i've been doing this research i think she could easily have been the, like another Edwige Fenech, possibly and gone along a similar path and or yeah. barbara boucher and you know she would have popped up in jello and it's your tesky films, and maybe even if she was lucky, she'd have got a few uh comedies, school teacher comedies. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, anyway. Speaking of Edwidge she she's gonna pop up in one of our future films because she also was a jungle girl, so that's something to look forward to.
1: So many jungle girls. I mean, well, here's the thing um, <laughs> I, I, I knew that I had the trump card with Audrey Hepburn and being a jungle girl in a movie, but. My goodness, if you look at the list of actresses, well we'll think of it this like Catherine Schell. she played Lana Queen of the Amazons in a in a German film in nineteen sixty four. Um would would you join me in thinking that maybe um, the classic Doctor Who character of Leela, the companion of Tom Baker's Doctor Who, would kind of be in the category of Jungle Girl. I mean, she's oh, kind yeah. of that savage thing. You know, that seems very much in that you know in that in that vein. Um,
2: yeah, she's either a Jungle Girl or a kind of One Million Years BC girl.
1: Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Uh, you know, the 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 Sheena things. There are all these kinds of Italian uh, Italian, you know. Takeoffs on Tarzan, including something we will touch on later on in this short series, Tarzana, which of course you know you just add a you (laughs) add a vowel to the end of it and suddenly it's a that's
2: it. You only need to add an A to any name and it becomes a jungle girl name. But the, the 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 there's a
1: if one were to line up all the various even just cinema jungle girls, if you were to ignore the pulp stories and the comic book stories and just concentrate on the only the ones on screen, it's like you know. Who's your favorite? Was it the Panther Girl of the Congo? Was it Kilma, Queen of the Jungle? (laughs) Was it Lita, who was played by uh, Valerie Leon in one of the Carry On films? I mean, there's so many. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, don't make me pick my favorite. That's too hard. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of Valerie Leon, I've I've interviewed her years ago. She's lovely. And um, she was the Queen of the Jungle in the film Queen Kong. So that's very much a Jungle Girl film if we're mm. going to sort of stretch it that far. Queen Kong is absolutely terrible and hilarious. It It but is yeah, both she, of those things. I agree with you yeah, 100%. She plays the queen of the jungle. So let's get into some plots here, which won't take long.
1: No, it will not.
2: I mean, thankfully, we should say this film is not really very easily commercially available. And that's perhaps why there's a distinct lack of reviews and attention it is on a french dvd artists put out a dvd about 10 years ago but there's it's not english friendly it's not got english subtitles or the english track there was a vhs i think in english so what i did for us to be able to watch it there is a print on youtube Mm -hmm. which might be taken from the dvd that's in italian so i took that one and then i took the english language track from a very poor quality VHS copy on archive.org and I put the two together and they more or less sync up there's a few scenes where it's a bit out of sync um but for the most part it kind of works but yeah maybe that's why there's less attention um but there, I think there's even even less attention with the other films um so at least we have a, this is, this film does get a mention in a book which is more than can probably be said for some of the other ones so i've got a plot summary here from the deodato book and it starts with some footage that i assumed was just stock footage left over from one of Jacopetti's mondo carne type films yeah um but according to what it said about what deodato said in that interview he went to africa to shoot so maybe that stuff was shot by deodato as well which I think makes it worse in some ways. Because um, it says here, it says here at the beginning, "Gugala La Pantera Nuda begins with some documentary style imagery accompanied by a spoken commentary in the spirit of a Mondo movie. It is, isn't it? It's very much a Mondo film, the style. Oh, this yeah.
1: Movie. This this gibberish at the beginning. I mean, Well, not gibberish, but it's just this, it's almost yeah. like you're seeing the beginning of some kind of documentary. Africa is vibrant,
2: modern, yeah. and alive. Yeah. <laughs> but just pop down the road and it's just full of topless uh girls dancing around did did you notice how much the camera just kept zooming in on boobs
1: uh yes yes i love the fact that we 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 slam cut from the the voiceover and footage showing us the the modern cities in africa you know indicating as the voiceover does hey you know really Africa in 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 its cityscapes and in, in, in its modern urban areas is just very much like you know every place you grew up, and they they name you know multiple cities in Europe, yeah. and then slam cut straight into oh and by the way topless native women,
2: and oh, it's yeah which is it's not great, especially if it was Deodato actually directing that stuff, um, and I'm I mean I don't know. It's, it's tricky to, I don't want to, I don't, tricky as to how much I want to talk about that, but I would guess that the ages of some of those girls were what we, we would say they were underage for appearing topless in a film. To a degree, huh. I
1: I understand. Well, let's put it this way: I understand your your yeah. uh, you're being uncomfortable with this this footage. At the same time, this is exactly the same kind of footage that you would see in a National Geographic documentary. Yeah, you know, from the forties yep. through the through today. This is not yep. this is not something that I consider to be exploitative, other than the exploitative nature of the fact that they're using this footage in you know this you know this kind of ridiculous style of story
2: yeah and i get the sense because no, none of it really has much of a bearing on the plot i yeah, feel like some, to a degree it's just padding to try and get the runtime up <laughs> like well, we need five
1: padding padding or uh padding or you know freebie nudity i mean there's there's yeah. always
2: that and then we cut to an opening credit sequence where basically I don't know about you but I was reminded of the Edwige Fenech film that we watched a while ago <laughs> uh, where she's running topless through the woods wearing a chastity belt do you remember that
1: yes yes I do that is uh, that is Let's one see. of the few of those Italian comedies that really stood <laughs> out for some reason I can't imagine yeah. maybe you just described the reason this so stood out. we
2: get we get a similar opening credit sequence here which is just Gungala running mostly naked through mm-hmm. the uh, she's running with zebras She's running across, the, I know, across yeah. the, the savannah. She's jumping into the waves. She's yeah, just nude for the whole credit sequence. I mean, I don't know. Was that okay in 1968 in Italy? I guess it was. I mean, it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been here. That would have all been cut right out. But <laughs> I, I, I we'll say that's it just fine.
1: it. This is what makes me wonder, and this is why, you know, in in the world in which I want to live. We suddenly have this incredible interest in Jungle Girl films, and there is this massive uh, series of releases of in-depth looks at various Jungle Girl films. And both the Gungala films are put out in a double feature set packed with extras. And we learn what I suspect, which is that there were probably at least two, three or four variations on the opening credit sequence.
2: Yeah, possibly. Um, So that's quite funny. And then, but the, she's not naked for any, any point in the rest of the film. It's just the opening credits. I know. Very so, strange. Interesting. Uh, so, an insurance company alerted by a rich English family organizes an expedition to find the heiress to an industrial empire. I think it's basically a diamond mine, isn't it? Yes. Who was given up for lost in Africa following an airplane disaster in which her parents were killed. The Europeans... This is basically a very... This is a big summary. The Europeans find Gungala and one of the explorers falls in love with her. That's basically the plot summary from the book. Um, And then they describe it as a feminine version of a Tarzan film. They talk about how she's nicknamed the daughter of the bird of fire. So Mm. she's running around the jungle wearing a diamond on a string. Right. Which is somehow connected with... uh, a statue in the jungle that's right from what i understand of that statue I'm some kind of, it has
1: some kind of religious significance and that yeah, diamond tribe was one of the one of the eyes of this statue that got and i'm assuming this all took place in the first film because yeah, they keep describing it as having happened re- in the past so
2: because she's just wearing it around her neck and they treat her like she's a god or something Mm-hmm. i get i i the although the plot is so basic i also found it quite confusing cuz you see you've got this group they basically they get together this party to go into the jungle to find gungala and amongst the party is julie who is gungala's cousin i think yes yes who wants to be the heiress herself but if they find gungala gungala gets it all and not julie or they split it 50-50 i think Um, And they take a big party out into the jungle. And these are where we get some actual scenes in the jungle where they're crossing a river um, and they've got a lot of sort of local Africans helping them. Right. And they they all step off the boat and immediately every single one of their helpers is shot down by spears and arrows by the local tribe i know it's, and, it,
1: that was the moment at which i thought ahaha ha, ha, so this film is gonna have some violence in action Alrighty then
2: but what i want to know is what did they do with the bodies
1: oh we, we leave them the, laying there and
2: much like a video scene, and much
1: like a video game we ignore them and they go away
2: yeah because in the next scene they've just set up camp in the clearing mm-hmm. i like what did you do with all those dead people
1: <laughs> well can't. we're left to surmise that they must have just rolled them off into the into the river
2: yeah and they didn't seem the slightest bit bothered one of the guys was still alive and he's like reaching out to them and they're just completely ignoring him <laughs>
1: no. well no i mean they oh. one of them is about to shoot this one to shoot this guy and and uh our our supposed hero the the blonde fellow uh oh. says oh well that no, he's don't don't shoot him he's one of ours and then they just stand there and, and resume their conversation they don't go over to him they don't offer him any first aid it's no
2: just leave him completely oh yeah so we've got two guys one I, i'm a bit confused about who they were one is a jungle expert i think that's chandler no no no. morton or is, is that morton the, the
1: jungle expert that's okay. uh, angelo in uh, in infanti and he's the so uh,
2: chandler is the blonde guy right. with the worst mustache i think i've ever seen in a film
1: it, it's like it still hasn't grown all the way in like he's a teenager yeah. yes
2: oh it's terrible it's such a it's a mistake somebody should have told him it was a mistake (laughs) somebody needs to speak to him about his facial hair just take it to one side and say dude please it's not working it's not it's not happening
1: well somebody Um, probably had a conversation with him because i think this is the only movie that particular actor uh jeff tangent or yeah this is it this only movie you made
2: right so yeah. maybe
1: people laughed at his facial hair and he left he left yeah. cinema
2: i mean he's pretty wooden let's be fair the, d- the dubbing seems... on him isn't
1: too bad I, i'll give him no. that. the dubbing adds something to it but
2: so there's some sort of a relationship going on between him and julie i think but it's not very clear because he is also he's on like he's come along for the ride because he knows where gungala is he's met her before
1: Apparently in the previous movie, but there's no indication that he was in that um, movie. So yeah.
2: But then at one point, Morton bumps into Gungala and he sort of falls in love with her a bit, I think. And she's just hovering around. She's on the periphery of their camp and just watching what's going on. And then Julie decides that the best way to uh, bring Gungala out into the open is if she dresses like Gungala herself. So Gagala has made a dress for herself out of what looks like just, I don't know, plastic netting or something. Well, I thought
1: I, I, I kept going back and forth. I thought, is it, is it like upholstery from the crashed plane? Is it uh, some kind of mesh net, you know, yeah. fabric of some sort? It's hard. It's hard to know other than I will say this clearly as the movie shows us, it is magical because it yeah. never moves from covering her breasts.
2: Yeah, she, she's also got some sellotape that she <laughs> rescued from the crash. It must have been, yes. And sticks it down. But Julie appears to magically have some of this same material. Mm-hmm. Because she makes herself a dress out of it as well. And so now you've got two of them who look quite similar because they're cousins walking through the jungle and the, uh, the local tribe kidnap Julie because they think she is Gungala and they want to kill her or sacrifice her to their god. There's also, in the background of all this, there was a guide who they wanted them, who they asked to take them into the jungle, and he said no. Yeah. But then he's secretly teaming up with a guy who's just credited as Arab. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there, there is an Arab who wants to do something. I'm not entirely sure. He's trying to kill them all off as well, I think. Yeah, so I, think, I think, think he's, he's, with this he's other pretty guy. much
1: after the, the diamond mine that they assume the is. Yeah, the, yeah,
2: exactly. Now, the other guy, he's uncredited as far as I can tell. I can't find his name in the credits. But I think he was in uh, The Snow Devils. I'm sure I recognized Ooh. him from Snow The Snow Devils, yeah. But um, but anyway, so there's sort of some intrigue going on in the background. And then there's Gungala just having a lovely time with her friend, the Black Panther. And she has another friend who's a chimpanzee. And she also <laughs> has some parrots. Um, oh, incidentally, I learned on the radio this morning that there is no such thing as a panther.
1: I'm sorry, there's the
2: panthers are actually just leopards. They're just really more, yeah, they're just more black. But they're exactly the same. They are. There's not a. They're not a separate animal. So, wow! There you go. Wow! As an a, an assumption
1: there. from my my jungle adventure reading has now been dashed on the yeah. rocks. I wish I'd never. I wish I'd never learned this. My childhood panthers is ruined. Are
2: anyway i mean yeah i mean i'm struggling to describe the plot here on help me out what else can we say about what happens in this film
1: well i think what i would say primarily about this film is this is I i hate to put it this strangely but at the same time this is a typical one of these films. this is a good example of this type of film and your your expressions of of mild confusion about the plot and the, the story. Honestly, I I understand. Uh, part of that is cleared up if you have the, the uh, wherewithal to watch the film more than once because it is all spelled out yeah. within the dialogue. Once you are doing more than just mildly paying attention to how well it's kind of forming up against all the other variations on this same theme, these movies are much of a sameness there is a there Mm is a a quality to these movies in which they 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 tread the same pathways with with mild variations pretty much every time there's not a lot that you're going to find within this this genre that isn't uh something you haven't seen in one form or another they're very similar kinds of movies and I know that for a lot of people, that will that will knock down your ability to enjoy these for what they are, which is a bit of a yeah. shame because it is the, the the joys of these films do really kind of fall well within the the kind of standard jungle adventure thing. If you enjoy the the types of of uh, uh, adventure stories that these are uh, putting on screen, you're going to be good and you're going to kind of enjoy picking out the the slight variations the change-ups the way they the way they get to the different places that these stories almost always end up going and at the same time i can understand being somewhat confused and and you know feeling that the films are kind of uh well in some cases they are just excuses to parade a a beautiful naked woman around and pretend that she's tarzan and that's okay But at the same time, these are these films are not everybody's cup of tea. I can very much understand somebody listening to us talk about these movies and never having the slightest urge to watch them. But there are joys to be had in these movies. For instance, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, weird and reluctant to, to, to admit this. Uh, I kind of enjoy the music in this film. I don't think it's the greatest score Mm -hmm. I've ever heard in my life, and I suspect that it was probably commissioned for some other film before it got used for this. I have no idea, no way to know. Not exactly sure. But the joys of these kinds of stories are, um, they're related very much to whatever enjoyment you might have ever had to Jungle Epics. Now, here's the big downside that I think you gotta have to admit, you are gonna have to admit to with Jungle Girl movies, no matter what. Okay. They never have the kinds of really fun action that you hope you are going to get. In other words, mm. if what you are looking for is the kind of uh, uh, rough and tumble action that you would get from a Tarzan film, where Tarzan is involved in fighting bad guys and and clubbing people over the head and doing things of that mm-hmm. nature. Thank you. It is it is a very rare jungle girl movie that is going to offer up that kind of thing. The the uh, actresses are not asked to put themselves in the position of taking on bad guys, fighting in hand to hand combat, doing anything of that no. nature. And,
2: and they don't they don't wrestle crocodiles either.
1: No, no, they do not. Uh,
2: the, the the there are quite a lot of crocodiles in this film, actually. <laughs> quite
1: quite a lot. What but you end they, up with is the fine. jungle girl being presented as someone who kind of lives in harmony with nature around her. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that is a choice made to differentiate the jungle girls from, say, the Tarzan kind of, you know, white savage in the jungle. Or if it is uh, something that is done because, hey, we're hiring a model. We don't want to shove her in front of a lion. Sure. Um, understand. Yeah, I mean,
2: like... It says in the book here, she encompasses all the stereotypes. She speaks with the animals, has a great sense of justice, Mm -hmm. punishes the abusers of power, and is in effect the sheriff of the jungle.
1: Right. And that to me is one of the things I I often find myself, I'll, I'll find a new Jungle Girl movie and get all excited because I like Jungle Girl movies, and I'll find myself waiting, hoping, thinking hey yeah cool let's let's see the action and the action that's going to be in these movies is going to be like the things we've already described which is when (laughs) uh native tribesmen attack you know the 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 porters and bearers of the the uh the safari that is moving through their jungle uh that's the action you don't get a savage jungle girl with a knife uh in her hand you know, att- attacking scumbags and, and righting wrongs. That's not these stories. And no. I'll admit, that is a frustration for me. Uh, but I guess I long ago just kind of embraced the fact that it's not, these are not Tarzan stories. As much as I might no. want there to be a full on, you know, attack the scumbag bad guys kind of Jungle Girl movie, uh, th- those are few and far between. Strangely enough, the 1984 Sheena. Uh, with Tanya Roberts, actually mm-hmm. comes pretty close to that. Uh, there's some right. good action sequences in that, and uh, it's it's clear that uh, they they picked an actress who was willing to kind of go the distance and do the stuff that you're kind of hoping a Jungle Girl movie might eventually have. So, uh, if you go into a, into one of these movies hoping for something along the lines of a Tarzan movie, with as far as the action, you're gonna be disappointed. So. You're going into these. I guess it's better to kind of go into these movies with more of an eye toward sex exploitation. That's more what these are. There's some adventure yeah. stuff involved and some nature footage and uh, maybe a little jungle intrigue. But uh, you know, th- th- these aren't these aren't um, these aren't Gordon Scott or Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movies. No. They're not action movies, unfortunately.
2: Just one last thing I wanted to mention from the book. According to the reviewer, he says that um, Kitty Swan ostentatiously is that right? Ostentatiously mm-hmm. shows off her hairy armpits. I mean, I don't know which I don't know which version of the film he was watching, but that wasn't something that uh, I noticed particularly. I thought, considering she's grown up in the jungle, she was very well groomed. I mean, she clearly yeah. she's in that in the plane crash was clearly a a bucket load of mascara and (laughs) eyeliner and hairspray.
1: (laughs) Yes. And, and, and clearly, you know, nail and hair care products of some sort.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's just, I don't know, she washes her hair with banana or something, but she, she looks, she looks uh, like she just stepped out of the salon.
1: Yeah, like she just visited a day spa and is looking yeah. forward to the afternoon.
2: Yeah. But there you go. So that is Gungala La Pantera Nuda. Um, I also forgot to mention, Rod, and I feel most now like I have to do this in every episode, is that Kitty Swan's uh, first film was I Due Pericoli Publici, which translates as The Two Public Dangers. Now, can you guess what kind of film that might be, just based um, on the title? The I'm, Two Public Dangers. Two Public Dangers. It's I'm a comedy. i going to
1: assume it was a comedy. But,
2: yeah. Uh-huh. Who might the Two Public Dangers be?
1: Uh, oh, no. It's not that comedy duo, is it?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So she she was in a Franco and Chico film in 1964, playing an English tourist in a museum. And... <laughs>
1: They're like, a and rotting, then, they're like a rotting thread of Italian cheese pushing its way through the, the yep. very fabric of cinema. It's it's frightening.
2: It's like all roads lead back to Franco and Ciccio. And because, in fact, she was in another one a year later called Gliamanti Latini or The Latin Lovers, um, where she is girl doing exercises on the beach and she's <laughs> in a bikini in that one. And uh, she and Franco goes nuts when he sees her. So there you go. So she's actually in two Franco and Chicho comedies. Sixty four and sixty five.
1: Back in the in the decades, uh when merely having an absolutely gorgeous woman scantily clad on screen for your comedians to react humorously to was comedy.
2: Yep. There we are. So Eo I couldn't. I couldn't let that go. Well,
1: Adrian, I have. A, I do have a question for you about about this film and kind of the the genre overall. Uh-huh. How familiar are you with the jungle girl subgenre to begin with?
2: Oh, totally unfamiliar.
1: Ah, good. Okay, so what did yeah. you think of this
2: example? Of- so, apart from seeing pictures in some of the books, like um, obviously there are pictures of this one mm-hmm. in the Deodato book. So that was when I was first aware but I wasn't particularly aware that there was a whole subgenre, and that there were a bunch of these films. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It, uh, it's entertaining for what it is. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to win any awards. Mm. And obviously the main, uh, the main reason that most people are going to come and watch this is because of Kitty Swan. It's certainly not for the brilliantly written dialogue, um, <laughs> or, or, or thrilling plot twists, but, um, but yeah because obviously yeah, we, as i mentioned she she spends quite a lot of the films watching and then by the end of the movie she jumps into action to save the uh the white people from the the, the tribe and she pulls she uses her power over the animals there's a bit where she rides a, an elephant yeah you know, they know.
1: overcome the evil arab which is just
2: yes oh yeah who sinks in in quicksand yeah yeah well see that's Uh, just it i didn't
1: didn't want to necessarily bring this up because then my childhood terror returns but this is a film Uh, that does emphasize the deadly nature of quicksand and how it can sneak right up on you
2: when we were growing up i i honestly thought i was going to die in quicksand like it just seemed to be everywhere
1: well i did for a long time think that it might be a good idea to just carry around a length of rope just in case you needed it because of quicksand (laughs)
2: do you remember that that show manimal in the 80s
1: oh oh i i did not see it when it was broadcast but i do know what you're talking about yes yeah. I,
2: I remember an episode of that where there's a guy sinking in quicksand so manimal turns himself into a snake <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so he could be used like a rope to pull himself out
1: <laughs> I, i'm sorry i just I, I i i was wanting to finish that uh, sentence with so manimal turns himself into a snake so that he can laugh at him
2: <laughs> it's, yeah uh, that's my main memory of, yeah, but everything seemed to be people sinking in quicksand all the time in the eighties, mm-hmm. yep. but obviously, you know, this is the sixties and it was still a thing. You don't see quicksand around so much these days, thankfully.
1: Yeah. It's, they're almost as, as, as invisible as uh rotary dial phones. It's just, they're not, they yep. don't exist anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. No, I enjoyed this one. I'm looking forward to the next one, which is going to be Luana, the jungle girl and if anybody wants to play along at home that is on youtube in a relatively okay watchable it's okay uh, english language print so yeah so don't miss that one now before we finish today i don't realize we're running a bit long but i wanted to mention we've had quite a lot of feedback that i wanted to share with you before we go please, please. so uh, based on our last episode where we talked about warriors of the lost world so um lee perkins got in touch hi lee thanks for listening he says this is the only time in my life i will ever get to brag about this with anyone who even remotely cares i have an autographed picture of mega weapon um which is the the huge sort of armored truck from the film he says on the on the mystery science disc david worth gave out his email address (laughs) yes That's pretty funny. He did. Uh, So I dropped him a line and became quite friendly. Really nice guy. Very knowledgeable about film, especially cinematography. So he sent me the picture. I'm going to tweet it out of Robert Ginty and Mega Weapon. (laughs) And it is signed by David Wirth. So how about that? He also mentions that Tenebrae is a post-apocalyptic film in case we do a sequel series. So -hmm. is it? I need to... uh, i need to to look into that one is it set in the future i can't remember i asked him if it was okay to share the picture and he says not sure about sharing the picture it may devalue it it's currently worth four pounds on ebay (laughs) (laughs) uh he also keeps accidentally calling it mega truck instead of mega weapon which i think is probably easy Hmm. easy to do he says um that he has a YouTube channel called Psychotronic Films and Television. So he was collating anything on YouTube that's in Michael Weldon's book. Um, so do check him out, Psychotronic Films and Television. He uh, he collates stuff that's already there. So uh, he also looks for the films that are mentioned in podcasts. So he listens to Wild, Wild Podcast. He listens to Bloody Pits, really? Nessie Casts monster kid radio and he's got a psychotronic films playlist so uh, he had there is a one-stop shop of uh, podcasts that are connected to the films so I mean that all sounds great Lee, so thanks very much for including us there yes very much so I will put a link in the show notes to the YouTube channel psychotronic films and television um, so thank you Lee also just quick. Uh, we've been getting some traction uh, on Twitter, partly because I po- I tweeted out the other day that we just hit 15,000 downloads. So thank you, everybody, for downloading. Uh, 15,000, that's pretty good going. I mean, well, you know, two years, very small, very specific podcast. I'm quite pleased with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Pretty good going. Um, so people have been suggesting other things that we could do. Holger Hasse, uh whose name I always pronounce wrong. Sorry, Holger. He suggested a series featuring Gloria Juida or Edward Fenech. Sure, um, no,
1: that'd be good. I have no problem yeah. with either of those.
2: No, although the pictures that he's posted for those are both comedies. So the school school teacher ones, or uh-huh. the ones where Edward Fenech plays a policewoman.
1: Holger, I, I, I'm trying to avoid the Italian comedies, man.
2: Come on. <laughs> uh, and someone else also suggested some Lino Banfi, and has tweeted a photo from Il Commissario. i oh, sorry, the poster. From El commissario Um So that, I don't know what that film is, but the poster makes it look like a sort of James Bond style comedy. So maybe yeah. uh, so. But yeah, we'll keep all the suggestions coming in. We've also had some feedback on Instagram. Um, Mark Eggins got in touch again and says, um, I heard you guys mention Howard Vernon in Dispatches. Yes. what a journeyman career he had even turned up uh, in a quirky art house flick later on called Les Champignons des de Carpathes or the Carpathian Mushrooms from 1990 hmm. it's about a miraculous mushroom discovered by a film director's daughter to cure an actress never heard of that one but there you go Howard Vernon is in that too uh, he plays the head of his
1: career is just astonishing you could yeah you could you could watch howard vernon films for days and just i mean possibly months and never run out yep
2: no he apparently plays the head of a small shakespearean theater troupe which sounds fun um also eddie crosby uh, got in touch and um mentioned i think we talked about the film illustrious corpses and he said franca francesco rossi the director was known as italy's social conscience making absorbing political thrillers during the years of lead he's barely talked about nowadays but his films made the rounds of uh, repertory cinemas in the early 80s yeah. films like the Mattei affair which won the palm d'or. so they don't he said don't expect car chases and shootouts but they're a good contrast to the Polizioteschi genre. So, uh, yeah, a bit more sort of serious uh, messages. And he actually sent us that one a while ago, but I only just saw it. So apologies for that. Yes. Oh, he accidentally said repository cinemas, which was quite funny. He did, of <laughs> course, mean repertory cinemas, uh, which, as I said, is a very different kind of viewing experience if you go to a repository cinema. Yes. yes. Um, and then Forrest Walking, who is our friend from Finland. I think, if I've got that right, um, he got in touch just asking us where we could where he could watch Gungala. So I did actually send him the link to the version of the film that I put together. I don't know if that's breaking any copyright rules or not, but if anyone else wants to watch Gungala and they want to see my uh, English language mashup version, then get in touch and I'll send you a link. But only if you do that in the next couple of weeks, because at some point I'll probably have to just delete it in case I get into too much trouble. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. So it's great to hear from people. Please do get in touch. We like hearing from you on Twitter or Instagram or the email, um, which is just wildwildpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or we are the Wild Wild Pod on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. We are Wild Wild Podcast. So. Hopefully that's not too confusing. Rod, I didn't ask you at the beginning, but is there anything you want to plug before we finish?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, nothing specific, just the podcasts keep rolling along.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There will be some announcements soon uh, from uh, you and I and uh, oh, uh, I hope so. Troy Gwynn and myself about some uh, upcoming uh, commentary tracks, of course. Yes. But uh, other than that, the the podcast the podcast keeps rolling along. Uh, I've got a Star Trek three episode coming out very soon. We've got some stuff coming up for uh, the the month of October, leading up to Halloween, involving uh, as as you put the bug in my ear. I'm going to do a an episode of uh, the Bloody Pit with uh, two or three episodes of the Inner Sanctum old radio show, just to kind of give people Ooh. a flavor of that for the holiday excellent
2: season. Yes, I'm enjoying. I enjoyed your Inner Sanctum podcast. So yes. If anyone who's listening to this hasn't heard that, do head over to the Bloody Pit and uh, check that out. Um, Yeah, well, thank you, Rod. Thank you again for doing this. Um, It's fun to be back in a new themed season. And uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks into the jungle again. So uh, get your loincloths uh, in the wash. And get your the sun,
1: suntan oil.
2: Yes. Yeah. Get them. Get ready to stick all that back on and uh, listen to the next episode. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> That'll do. I think. Thanks everybody. Uh, and here again, in case you weren't listening properly the first time, I'm going <laughs> to. Here's our wonderful jungle-themed uh, podcast theme tune. Bye for now. Bye everyone.